0: People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca/slash host.
1: <laughs> right when I say we're sharp, I throw a zombie. I gotta handle that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no, man. Right when I say we're sharp, I throw it out. Oh! <laughs> Slip them. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we're going. We're going. We're going now.
2: Late last year, I traveled to Montreal to get to know Canadian's rookie defenseman, Arbor Jacki. His path to the NHL wasn't easiest, but neither was his life. We produced a 15-minute feature on Arbor and his family for Hockey Day in Canada, but with such productions, a lot of the conversation gets left on the cutting room floor. We felt that it was important to share these conversations unedited with our audience. In this special edition of the 32 Thoughts podcast, you'll hear our chat with Arbor and then later with his parents, Jack and Simona. If you'd like to watch the entire feature, we have left a link in the show notes. With that... Let's head to Montreal for our sit-down with Arbor Jackeye. Oh! We're good? Okay. I want you to look around. See where we are. What jumps into your mind?
1: Can't even believe it, man. It's so surreal every day waking up and knowing that I'm here. Like, I'm not a guy who soaks things in easily. Like, I just keep like, pushing in and pushing in until... Until it's no longer there, like obviously we won a championship last year in Hamilton, and I just couldn't put it into perspective until until I, I left and it was it was over. So seeing this Montreal logo in, in the middle of the room, it's 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 unbelievable. It's it's obviously a dream come true.
2: Do you remember the day you walked in? Your your stall is just over your left shoulder. Do you remember the first time you walked in and you saw a Canadian's jersey with your number and your name on it?
1: Yeah, it was uh, preseason uh, last year just to see that and just to hold the jersey, and I'm like, this is my name on it. And Obviously, I wasn't signed or anything yet. I was still trying out, but just to see it with my name on it, I was like, this is it, man. This is the real deal.
2: Did you sit there with it in your hands for a few minutes?
1: I did. I I held my breath when I put it on. (laughs) I don't know why. It was just something I did, but it was
2: pretty funny. Arbor, was there a point this year where you, I mean, I don't know what you expected. Did you expect that you would make the Canadians this season?
1: I personally, I thought... I was going down to the AHL and I was going to have to spend my time there like spend my years there and develop as a guy and a, a player and a person. But just in the back of my mind I'm like I can crack this roster. I was seeing how I was skating with the the players on the team and I was like like I'm there. It's there. And I was like I was feeling very comfortable with my game on the ice and just in the back of my mind I had that I had that it's there like I can make it.
2: And when was the first moment you began to think okay, this might be happening?
1: There wasn't, like, really a moment because they kept so many young guys till the very end, so, and they never told us anything. So we were all good buddies, and we're just sitting there, like, looking at each other, and we're like, man, like, what, what's going to happen here? Like, what's going on? And we didn't know. Like, we just controlled our own, our own games, and we obviously uh, worked hard and played our games, and we let the rest fall into place. But there was never really a moment until that, that day when they pulled us into the office. Describe it. Yes, yeah, so we were in the gym. And it was me, Ghoulie, Slav and uh, Harris. So they called us all in the room and we're walking in. We're we're scared. We're like, oh no, what is what is going on? But obviously they like they're all good players, so I'm like, this this can't be bad. This can't be bad. I'm like trying to think positive. We get pulled in and then they're like, Congratulations guys, like you made the team and like chills just ran through my whole body and like so many thoughts going through my mind. I was like I was speechless. I was just like, Thank you, like I didn't know what to say. I was like, Wow this happened like, i just made it
2: who had the best reaction
1: we were all frozen we were we were all just looking at each other like smile start smiling we're like oh man like because we were all really good buddies throughout camp so then when that happened it was like we were just like man and like we we left the room and we were giggling and we're like oh man this is it like it was it was awesome
2: you know what's interesting was when we were talking to Gallagher and to uh, Marchand Saint Louis about you. They didn't talk about any of the physical stuff.
3: Yeah, and I think um, you know we had seen the clip of him in the uh, whatever the prospect camp or him fighting. And you know, there's there's guys that can do that, but if you if you can do that, but you can't play the game, you know, you're not going to last very long. And there's a lot more that goes into it, and that's a that's a huge skill. I mean, there's. Uh, there's only so many guys in the league that can do what he does, but in order to be able to do what you do, there's so much more that has to go into your game, and he's able to do that and um, to play at this level and to also bring that little bit of intangible that uh, you know guys are going to have to be aware when he's on the ice, and at the same time, uh, you know the other 90% of games when he isn't doing that, he's still an effective player and, and making good smart plays for us. It's uh, he's he's been a good player. We've enjoyed having him, and uh, he'll keep getting better.
2: They talked about your hands. They talked about. Your skill in making a pass. They talked about your IQ.
3: You know he can break the puck out. What the effect is that? Well, it allows us to play in transition and possession to the neutral zone. You know, yeah, can he go off the glass? Absolutely. But he's got high intelligence with uh, a good skill set that allows him to do what his brain's telling him to do. And uh, his brain is pretty creative. Or in the ozone, you know, he's got the, he's, he's got great shot. And he's and he's I think early on he was getting his wrist shot blocked and stuff and. We worked on changing the angle a little bit, and he's got a nice little snapper that he throws these, these wrist shots on net. They're heavy; um, they're, they come off his blade quick. Uh, but he, you know, obviously, he's got a one timer too, which he, we haven't seen that as much. Uh, I think it's harder for for defensemen up up high now to to take one timers from there unless you're on the power play, because uh, you know the defensive schemes are, are are more in your face a little bit, where you know those those little quick wrist shots uh, probably happens more, and he can do that right. So. He helps our offense, but also, you know, you see his physicality, big hits. You know, he can take care of himself if he has to drop the glove. There's a lot of things that, that, that Arbor brings to the game that helps us. You know, it's, it's not one particular thing, but it's a collection of all these things. And I think he uses at the right time as he's still learning when to use what and, and, and how. But uh, so far, it's been good.
2: The fans love you for the rough stuff. But your teammates and your coaches talked first about your skill.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty special to hear that because I always, everyone always used to say when I was younger that like, you're a goon, you're a goon. I'm like, I'm not a goon. I got good hands. Like I can make plays. Like I make pretty good breakout passes. I'm, I got underrated hands. Like I got a good shot from the point. Like I've always known I've been a skilled guy offensively, but not a lot of people have seen that. And now I'm obviously like on the second power play unit sometimes, and it's like it's pretty crazy because I never played power play in my whole life because that that's just not the role I was put it with. But but it's pretty special to hear that that they like that that side of my game.
2: They see the best in you. There's no question about that. They see the best in you. Is there anything like any of the whether it's been a hit or a physical play or a fight or anything like that where you were like, okay, this is big. I'm a little bit nervous about this.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't seem to put. That kind of pressure on me—it's like kind of like whatever happens happens. And my first fight, obviously, that was that was huge. But in that moment, I was just thinking like I have nothing to lose here. Like I'm going against a pretty tough guy. Like he's been—he's been a tough guy his whole whole career in the NHL. So it's like I got nothing to lose. So even if I would have lost the fight or just done well, it would have been a win to me and it would have been a win to the fans. So it's that was a pretty big moment for me.
2: The, I would think the only one that might have made you nervous was Deloria, just because of who he is.
1: Yeah, that one was tough cuz uh I was kind of thinking like I thought he was going to ask me at the start cuz they were on a five game losing streak. So at the start of the game, I was thinking I'm getting ready, mentally ready. I'm like, "Okay, like this is a true heavyweight. Like he's he's the toughest of the toughest in the in the league right now." So and then he kind of he kind of got me at the end of a shift and he caught me with one right in my eye right away and I was like, "They punch a lot harder than junior year and, and yeah, it ended up being a being a tougher one, but uh it was my first my first loss, I think. So it's Tough pill to swallow, but it had to happen someday.
2: Well, also, like, that's, the as you said, the best of the best. Like, you're stepping up to deal with him.
1: Yeah, so it's like, the, in the fans' eyes, it's like, man, like, that's as tough as it gets there, and it's like, that's not a losing the loss in my eyes. You
2: know? What do your teammates say after moments like that? What do they say to you?
1: Yeah, they're extremely supportive in that stuff, and they're always coming and giving me a tap, and they're like, man, like, that's that was the toughest guy. Like, it doesn't get much tougher than that, and you, you held your own, so, like... love to see that
2: tell me about simona
1: simona she's she's the best man she's i've never seen a woman as strong as her before and the way they my parents started life and from nothing it's like it's you can't see that and i think that they brought it all all the toughness on the kids so my mom she's so caring and she's they put all their money in, in those kids like it's every penny they got they put it towards the kids and that's, that brings them joy, like, to see us do well in life. And I never understood. I'm um, seeing all, everyone else's parents, like, they go on vacations and all that. I never see my parents go on vacations. Like, obviously, it was it was pricey and they couldn't afford it at the time. And it's just they actually dumped all their money into us. So it was, we never understood, why, like, why. But it was just, like, they were, like, like we want to bring you guys a good life, you know. And to see them, like, working every day and, like, not enjoying it, we're, like, you got to enjoy it too. And it's obviously as – the kids started moving out and I did what I did and my brother's now playing in the OHL. It's it's been a lot better for them to start going on vacations and start enjoying and that's that brings me joy.
2: What has she told you about her journey from Czechoslovakia as it was known then, to Canada?
1: Yeah, she obviously wanted to, to find something else and go go try a different life and her friend was here, so she she came over here to start a life as a nanny and she was a teacher over there, so like she didn't have to leave, like she just wanted to try something else and ran into some family stuff. So she she got out of there and started a life as a nanny, like from scratch. And like obviously, her journey was was very tough to to leave your whole family. She had nothing, no one here. Like she just had her one friend. But at a young age, I think she was 24. So it was it's was extremely tough for her to to start a life from scratch and to see where the, she's came to now. It's it's special.
2: Tell me about Jack.
1: Jack, he's he's about as tough as they come. I've I don't think I've a lot of people say their dad's the toughest guy they know, but he's something else. He he tells us he says I have no fear. Like it's not a good thing to have no fear, but he's like the things I've been through, like he has no fear. Like he grew up like probably as poor as a, as they come. Like he said between his three brothers he had one pair of shoes. Like he was like the oldest brother would get the biggest pair of shoes and they would all they would all wear them. So he and obviously where he was growing up it was it was tough with all the wars and that so he he didn't want to get involved in that so he he found a way to make it out and he got passports made and packed his bags no he didn't even have a bag he didn't have anything to pack so he just he got out of there and my dad actually came here with with zero dollars in his account and he found his way and he's extremely tough and he's he's a super kind guy and whenever you talk to him, he's, you think he's like shy almost, but he's not, he's, he's amazing man. And he's, he's about as strong as a man as I ever met. And to see him start a life again, like my mom from absolutely nothing. It's, it's amazing.
2: Has he ever told you about his journey from Albania to Sweden to here about what he had to do to get out?
1: Yeah, he, he has, it's like, we can't even believe it. Like, you know, when people say like, when their parents tell you about their, the way they walk to school and it's like, they're like going through forest, jumping over fences, like going all this way just to get to school. Like that's how they got to school. Like he actually, he had that. And I mean, he had to, he actually had to run away from home, like to get out. Cause I mean, if they if found out he was leaving, they, they probably would have brought him to the army and he didn't want to do that. And that was not something that he wanted, was, was interested in he, so he had to leave and He obviously went to Sweden for a bit and played soccer there for a little bit and then he went over to England with his buddy and then finally they made it to to Toronto so that's where they started their life and the things he had to do it's like we can't even imagine like you would always remind us like my parents they were both big and reminding us like you guys don't know what you have because we weren't the we're not the richest family like my parents they grind for every dollar they have and we're we're seeing all these other kids with this nice stuff and this nice gear and this nice sticks and we're like why can't we do this? why can't we do that? we never really understood or appreciated it. and they're like they always reminded us you guys don't know what you have. Like you don't know where we started and the kind of things we had to go through and that was that was big for them to to keep that in our heads.
2: Did they ever tell you how they met?
1: Yeah, they actually met at the Sheraton Hotel in uh in Hamilton. The one so. downtown. Yeah, so my mom came came over, and I think the first week she was here, she met my dad, and then the next day they went on their first date. So yeah, I was I was snooping around one time at my house, and I found their first year together, and I was tearing up. It was like you, you can't find love like, like that. They kept it's, pictures and things. Yeah, they have like a photo book of them uh, their first year together. So I was like I I was tearing up. I was like man like this is like a, a love story like it's it's unbelievable how they stay together because normally an Albanian man will find an Albanian woman and the same with the Czech like that's just in their that's in their nature there but I don't it's pretty rare for them to to go off off the grid like that and it's 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 crazy how they how they ended up meeting
2: is there a picture in particular from that scrapbook that you remember
1: there's a lot at at gage park that was like one of the parks that we, we grew up in and it was close to our house and my our parents were taking us there every day and making sure we got our, our outdoor activities and we would put the kids in the wagon and bring us bring us to the park. So they had a picture at the fountain and that's that's one I'll I'll keep in my mind.
2: I understand your mom one of your mother's big sayings is if you dream it, then you can do
1: it. Yeah. If you can dream it and put your mind to it and believe in yourself, anything's possible. So she always she was huge into telling us to believe in ourselves and she's like, You have to believe in yourself. And I never understood it when I was younger. I'm I'm thinking, I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm trying to believe in myself, but you never really know until until you know.
2: And your father's I think your father's big line is don't compare us to anyone else. Yes. What what does that line mean?
1: That's a special line. He would always tell us, like, don't compare yourself to other people. Like you don't know how they started, how they have money, like you don't know how they got to where they got, you know, like we don't have that. Like you don't compare yourselves because we started a completely different way and we were raised a different way. So that's a big line here he you would always say.
2: Do they have any other favorite sayings that you remember really well?
1: One that always will stick in my head is my mom saying, believe in yourself. Like if you believe in yourself and trust what you can do, like that's how you can succeed.
2: What is the angriest your parents ever got at you?
1: Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure i mean i think one time i took my mom's car out or whatever and i i scraped it scraped the side and it was a brand new car and i like she would always wait for me i was younger so she would always wait for me on the couch before i came home and she fell asleep so i tried to sneak by her and i was like man i gotta i gotta tell her like i can't she can't see us in the morning so i think that was what i told her she was she was pretty angry so that was that was one of the most, actually.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you're a car guy, so could you fix it? Were you able to repair that one?
1: Uh, back then I didn't, I didn't know too much about that. And also, like I was telling her, I'd pay for it and I didn't know how expensive it was going to be, but it was it was pretty expensive. And I paid for it now, obviously, but <laughs> but back then I couldn't afford it either. So she kind of let me off with that one.
2: Okay. I heard when you got your first payment that you bought your parents all new appliances. Is that true?
1: Yeah, so I was thinking of giving them a chunk of money, but I'm like, like, I can do something better than that. Like, they wouldn't, I don't even think they would take that if I if I offered them just, like, a big chunk of money. They would just be like, no, like, it's yours. Like, you keep it. So I went to Costco and grabbed new fridge, new washer, new dryer, and, like, when I, I said, whenever you guys want to go on vacation, like, I'll pay for it. So I've I've given them, like, three or four vacations, and for Christmas the one year I... I wrote down like you guys can have a free trip back home or a free like vacation for you too so so they took one of those and that's just something i do like it's any chance i can i can get to just give back to them it's i'm gonna do it
2: must be an incredible feeling
1: it is when we were rolling in the fridge and all that it's like <laughs> we had a fridge downstairs that like came with the house like one of those old white fridges and that fridge will never break and we've went through so many new fridges like so once it breaks, they just push it aside and push it aside. That's the big thing with my parents. Like they'll push something for for years. Like, no, we don't need a new one. We can use that one. And finally, I was like, I'm getting you guys a new fridge. Like, I don't care what you say. I'm getting you a new fridge.
2: And I've heard, apparently you've told them that you're going to retire them someday. Is that true?
1: Yeah. So that's that's my next goal, actually. my So I would set, obviously, goals every year. Mm-hmm. And my goal was to make the NHL. And then now my next goal is to retire my parents as soon as I can. So
2: what do they say to that?
1: They were tearing up. Like they always they get very emotional and like they didn't have much to say about that, but that was just that kinda kinda quieted them a bit. But yeah, that's that's something I, I want to do for them.
2: Who's the best athlete in the family?
1: We got a pretty athletic family. I'd say I'd say me, my brother is gonna tell you him, but I'd say I am I'm pretty good at, at most sports I did growing up and my mom also was was very good at anything she picked up. My dad was a good good soccer player, but I like basketball and like the racket sports, he was he says he's good, but he he wasn't the best. But my mom was also always really good at pretty much anything she did. So growing up, I think I was I was pretty pretty skilled at, at most stuff, and same with my younger brother. He was he was probably the same.
2: Who's the most competitive?
1: Probably see myself again, <laughs> but. My brother is competitive like he he takes his losses to me personal like he hasn't beat me in much in, in anything and we always we always go at it in every sport and i think one time i lost to him in ping pong so then i i was training like i'm like i'm not i'm not letting this guy beat me like it's just something i have on him like the big brother little brother type of bond so it's it's great
2: you know who did that was michael jordan he lost uh, ping pong to someone on the bulls and he bought a table at his house, put it up against the wall, and he became the best ping pong <laughs> player on the team. Wow! It, that made him crazy. It's one of the one of the great stories about him. Your parents here when they first came to Montreal to see you play. What was that night like?
1: Yeah, it was special. I mean, the most special encounter with my parents was when I first signed my contract. So, or when I when they told me I was going to sign. So I went the rank they told me i was going to sign and they were waiting at the hotel and it was like the last game before like they were going to make a decision so i went back and like opened the hotel room and i was like jack guys like we made it we did it and then they just completely broke down and it was that was probably the most special but my dad was here for the home opener so he got to experience that and that was that was an excellent game and when my mom came with my dad like they just enjoyed the atmosphere and they're like wow this is this is the real deal, like, they, I brought them in the room and showed them around, and they were just like, my dad was like, can I take a picture? I was like, Dad, come on, like, take a picture, man. You can do what you want. Like, this is, whatever's mine's yours here. Like, this is ours together, and, like, they're taking pictures of my stall and all that. I'm like, I'm getting, like, teary-eyed. I'm like, guys, like, I have a game. Like, get out of here, you know? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was awesome for them to soak it all in.
2: Your dad, Albanian, so he liked Tidomi, right? but then he switched to the Montreal Canadiens. How does your dad switch from loving Ty Domi and the Maple Leafs to the Montreal Canadiens?
1: Yeah, so my dad was never never a big hockey fan. Like he never knew much about hockey, but he obviously came here and it's, it's the biggest sport here. So he started watching with his buddies and he found out Ty Domi was Albanian and he thought he was like the, the best. Like he was always a tough guy, my dad. So he loved Ty Domi his toughness and how he was a smaller guy and he wouldn't back down to anyone. Cause that's, that's another one of my dad's big lines is don't ever back down. Like don't back down to anyone, like don't give anyone an inch. And yeah, so he loved, he loved that about Taiomi and that's how he got into hockey. But in Hamilton, there's a lot of Montreal and Leaf fans, but he thought everyone was a Leaf fan. He's like, so many guys are Leaf fans. Like, is there any other team that's Canadian that I can cheer for that the Leafs don't like? And it was Montreal. So he's like, okay, I'm a Montreal fan. Be a Montreal fan my whole life, so that's how he ended up switching over, and I obviously I took it upon it myself to be a Montreal fan because of him. He he got me into that.
2: Is that why you signed with the Canadians? Because I heard at that time there were some other teams starting to look at you too. Was that the reason you chose Montreal?
1: Ah, uh, no, actually there was there was a few other teams that I was going to go to their camps, but I knew one guy here, Matt Turk, and he was in my corner, and. I've trusted that guy my whole life and he's, he's helped me out with like having skates for the summer and, and payments, like he's, he's, been, he's been the best for that and I trust that guy with everything and he was always like, man, like come here, you have a good chance, like they got, they got some D's that have the similar style, like they got Edmondson, they got Weber, they got Sherrod. like those guys were kind of like the guys I was modeling my game after in junior. They said they like your style of player. So that's kind of why I directed myself towards this team.
2: Tell us about Kelly Reed.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, me and Kelly Reed, we go way back. And when he first came to Hamilton, I w- I switched over to his his skates because they were pretty cheap at the time, and I was like his guy. Like after a couple years, like I was showing the drills for everyone, and he, I was like the guy for him. And he did a camp actually, and. He didn't charge us anything and I think it was like 500 a week like it was a pretty expensive camp and he had Suban there and both Suban brothers so I got to I got to meet them and Kelly Reed's just been a great guy who's helped me my whole life and i always thank him for that.
2: So take us back to U14 Hamilton and how you got here from there.
1: Yeah so when I started playing like AAA for Hamilton I was like the number one guy there and for four years I was captain assistant captain like I was probably one of the top players in the in the alliance, and then we had some friends that went over to the G. They were from Hamilton, and they went to go play in the GTHL, and they were all telling us like, "Man, this is the place! Like, the quality of hockey is, is excellent. Like, it's it's high level hockey." So, so we decided to get a release and go go play in uh, in Toronto, and to see what that was about. So when I got there. I went from being like the, the guy in Hamilton to Toronto, they had their guys on their team. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being like five, six on the on a team, like fifth defenseman, sixth defenseman. And that was kind of when I, I started slowing down because I wasn't playing much. I wasn't really taking practice serious either. And so for those two years in the Titans, that's kind of when I, I fell off a bit. And everyone was growing also and I didn't, I wasn't a bigger guy like I, I was back then. But once everyone started growing, they passed me, and I was, I was like, I gotta find a way to, to compete with these guys. Like, I used to be able to compete with them. Like, why? Like, what's going on now? And I was so impatient with the, with the growing thing, and I would always tell my mom, like, when am I gonna grow, like, what's going on? So I went to Toronto for two years, or three years. And then, so minor midget, I was, I wanna say around 5'10", maybe 160 pounds. So that was when I almost started growing. And I had a pretty good year, but everyone on my team was talking to OHL teams. I think we had nine nine guys drafted, and I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. Like, where are these teams you're talking to? Like, I didn't have an agent at the time or anything, but I wasn't talking to any teams there. And I, I thought I had a pretty good year, but I wasn't the best skater, so I ended up not getting drafted. And that wasn't the biggest deal for me because I was looking at the players that were drafted, and I was like, I'm, I know I'm better than this kid. I know, I know I'm, know i like, I know in my head that I'm better than some of these guys. Like, I could have got taken, you know? I, I didn't really take it serious. And My mom kind of had to sit down with me, and she was like, you can either quit, or you can keep going and prove everyone wrong. Like, you got two ways, that's it. Like, you can either stop playing, or just play for fun, or you can start proving guys wrong. So I took that really serious, and that was a big summer for me. I ended up growing. I grew up to around six one ish, and and I ended up uh, trying out for a couple of junior B teams just for fun, like not for fun, but just to see where I matched up. I wasn't going to make them. I was going to play major midget, like it was set. I was going to play for the Bulldogs, major midget. So I ended up doing well in both the junior B skates. I always ended up. As a kid, like, every time I play high school hockey or something, I always played good with the older guys. Like, I could think like them. Like, I was always good at making quick decisions. So that was something that, even though I was undersized, uh, that was something that I always, was always pretty good at. So in junior B, at those, at those tryouts, I was, I was a pretty good player. And I was like, man, I can compete with these guys. Like, physically I'm there. Like, I can play with these guys. So I ended up making both teams, St. Catharines and Thorold. As a 16-year-old, that's, that's huge, for, especially for an undrafted player because teams usually take a drafted guy that they know are going to go up to the OHL next year because like, they want that for their, their organization. So I ended up picking St. Catharines because they, they were a big-time organization for Junior B, and they always developed good players and always had good teams. So that year I kind of put myself as a player that was going to be physical and hard to play against as a defenseman. But still had that offensive flair a little bit. And I realized how big and strong these guys were. So I was like, I can't just sit here and, and do nothing. Like, I got to I gotta get bigger and stronger. So as that year went on, I'm training all year. I'm in the gym all year that year, Get just trying to put on weight. So after that year, I ended up talking to, like, almost every team in the OHL. And so when I actually started in St. Catharines, a lot of the guys were like, don't worry, by Christmas like you'll you'll be talking to teams. And I never really believed them. I was like, I don't know if that's how it works. So then by Christmas, all the teams started coming in and I got invited to almost every OHL camp and then ended up picking three camps to go to. It was Guelph, Hamilton, and Kitchener. So I went to all three of those camps and then I ended up liking Kitchener the best. And they said, have a good main camp and there, there might be room for you. So that summer trained again all summer long and a lot of my buddies were saying uh, you should sign with a junior a team like sign with a junior b team so in case that doesn't work out like you can go to a junior b team and that was just in my head i was like why why would you go to a tryout knowing you're already on another team like you're just gonna be like okay if i don't make it I'm gonna, net. yeah i'm gonna i i got a safety net exactly so i was like i'm not doing that i'm i'm going to kitchener and i'm making that team i'm gonna make that team so obviously I went and they offered me a spot so that was that was huge at the time and playing there for for 3 years was awesome and obviously developed my game a lot throughout the years with uh Dennis Widman and Jay McKee. Mm-hmm. Then obviously the time came and they ended up trading me to Hamilton and Jay McKee again my coach is it, it was special and he he was like glad to have you back and obviously he had me when I was a younger guy so I wasn't his guy I was mm-hmm. I was working my way into it and then being an older guy on his team and being being his guy, go-to guy was pretty special. And so we ended up winning the championship. And then after that, obviously, I came here and I didn't, I wasn't expecting to to make it really. But I uh, kept my head down, kept grinding, and ended up getting a spot here. So it's it's been a long career, but it's 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 it's, it's worth starting. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long journey for me, like all the ups and downs. It's it's been crazy because I've never been the guy. Like, since I can remember, I've never been the guy. I've never been drafted high or or anything like that. So it's obviously going undrafted in the NHL was was pretty tough too. But I just took it as the OHL draft. I'm like, it's the same thing. Like, you can rather you can get drafted and keep going, prove people wrong, and it's or you can just give up, like, and go go somewhere else. You know. So
2: there's no way your parents were letting you give up. No, no way
1: it's not in our not in our nature. It's not in the Eye family nature to give up. It's to see them never give up at what, what they what they wanted in life. We're we're not quitters, so
2: any of those kids from Toronto and the NHL are around? The ones that were ahead of you?
1: No, not that I can think of, man. It's none. None. So it's it's pretty cool. And they this most of them are texting me actually and they're like, Wow, I'd like to see you do what you do, it's 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 unbelievable.
2: Have you met Shea Weber at all? or spoken Dam
1: one time i was when i was here for the first time i was so nervous and him and price were standing there and those guys are legends and i'm like I th- i'm pretty sure they said like hey man what's up and i was just like good how are you and like <laughs> head down walked away i was like what am i doing texted my mom i was like they just said hey what's up like i've never actually talked to him but I- i'd love to someday
2: of all your nicknames which is your favorite one
1: yeah, i got a lot i think uh the new one's Wi-Fi now, That it's it's pretty funny, but I think my favorite is Al. Cause uh, Dennis Weidman, he was like, what do they call you? Like, what what's your nickname? And I was like, well, my friends back home call me Arbs. And he's like, Arbs, I'm not saying that. And so he's like, I'll think of something. So then he came back and said, you're gonna be Al, like Al Arbor, the coach. So that, he's like, you know who that is? And at the time I was like, oh, I don't know who that is. I know who that is now, but at the time I didn't know who that was. and. That was kind of a nickname that I really liked, and I didn't think it was going to stick. I'm like, he's calling me Al. No one's going to call me Al. But in Kitchener, every time I'm there, I'm known as Al from every player, from people outside of the rink. Like, that was probably my favorite.
2: Hopefully, it sticks now, now that you said it.
1: Yeah, I might not. <laughs> <laughs> they like Wi Fi here.
2: Arbor, thanks so much, eh? Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. You're good. I was going to get him to do it. After the break, you'll hear from Arbor's parents about their journeys to Canada and raising a family of four children in Hamilton.
1: Okay. Hey mom and dad, I just wanted to say thank you guys for everything, and I love you guys so much, and I know I'm just starting my career, but it's gonna be a long journey and a a great life.
0: You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously.
2: In early December, I traveled to Hamilton to meet up with Arbor's parents, Simona and Jack, at the Sheridan Hotel, the place the two of them met almost 25 years ago. Everybody good? Here's our conversation with Simona, and then you'll hear the sit-down with Jack. Everybody rolling? Yeah. All right. So, Simona, what were you doing today before you came in for the interview?
4: What I was doing, I was changing tires. Mm-hmm. I was doing my job, and uh, as uh I said I'm working in a coast school in a tire shelf, and uh, yeah, pretty big tires.
2: Winter season, right? That's right. And how long have you been doing that for?
4: Uh, about three years.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I'll, uh, just in a season, like in a spring and fall. And otherwise, I'm working on the floor as a, as a stoker and whatever it's needed to be.
2: So that's where Arbor gets his hands from,
4: that's right? right. That's no, it's from his dad. <laughs>
2: just um, what's it been like the last, not only to see your son in the NHL, but the overwhelmingly positive reaction to your son's arrival in the NHL,
4: yeah, it's it's crazy, and it it really reflects on his character because he always knew what he wanted. And for us, it was kind of, you know, okay, just let's go with the flow, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's just reflection of his determination and and will to succeed. And I feel that uh, he knows where he came from. What kind of struggle myself and my husband uh you know have sacrificed kind of for him and all our children really, and uh, I felt that he's doing this for all of us, and he wanna
2: prove really what we came from here, right? Tell me what it means if you believe it, you can be it if you believe you achieve
4: what does that mean? Its mean that uh you know like we came to Canada for better future. I didn't mean to stay here really I like, just came for a little bit and uh, I seen here opportunity and I think like anybody can be anything here like anybody can achieve whatever you know it's desired to yourself and it depends how hard you want it and how hard you work for it and uh, you know I just say to my kids like don't take no fans so.
2: Tell me about your journey you were born in the former Czechoslovakia. That's right. I, I read that you were there during the Velvet Revolution. That's right. And so how did you come from there to here?
4: Um actually I I went to England right after the revolution and just to you know sharpen up my my English because I was teacher over there and it was something that it was just coming into our country like more English than Russian. We were occupied by Russia, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, just to go to England, learn a little bit English, and um, it didn't turn out as I expected. I went to school there, but it was mostly working, seven days a week. And uh, so I came back uh, two years later, and I started teaching, and I had my own bar. I was working in the nighttime in a bar uh, during the day as a teacher, and uh, I fell in love. And unfortunately, it didn't work out very good. And uh, the girl that I have met in England, she was already here. And I was talking to her and uh, she said, you know what, just pack your bags, come here, apply as a nanny and just get your mind a bit and, and, uh, you know, come here, it's good. So I did apply and luckily enough, because I spoke in English a little bit. And I was teacher, like family, we connected within three months and I came here. That's how it really turned out.
2: And how long ago was that? 25, 26 years ago. And did you ever imagine that 26 years later you still be here with a family? Absolutely not.
4: (laughs) 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 No, as I said, I just came, uh, you know, to have a break. And um, I was here one week and I met Jack. Of course, at that point, I didn't wanna do nothing, you know, with any man, ever kind, ever, so, so, he
2: was pretty persistent, so, yep. Now, I understand that we are, like, meters away. I know, that's, that's pretty surreal. (laughs) So, can you tell the story of how you and Jack met?
4: I was here with my girlfriends that I just recently met for the first time, it was one week that I was here, and uh, really, I was sitting right right there, right there, yes, and uh, one of the girls, I guess, she had a crush on uh, his friend or whatever. And uh, she kind of poked me and she said, uh, you know, it's after 11. The boys finish work and and uh, they are coming. And uh, yeah, it's like yesterday. I can see him with the, with the huge baggy pants and uh, red velvet um, blazer and um, with his cowboy boots that he always loved. And... Yeah, he just was standing by the piano and uh, kind of stared me down. So when I uh, get up to go to the bathroom, I pass him and he just said, Hi, can I introduce myself? And yeah, the rest is his story.
2: <laughs> now, was it was it attraction right away or did he, uh, did he have to work?
4: I think he did, yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, I think... Uh, for me, you know, meeting somebody from different country, like, there was no question that I would ever marry somebody else that Czech mm-hmm. guy, like, it was kind of, and for him, I think it was as well, like, we, like all odds was really against us, like, my grandmother didn't like it, and uh, I think his family was against, you know, him to finding some other, uh, you know, nationality girl and his friends, and... They were all telling him that I want to just marry him because of, the uh, papers and stuff like that. So yeah, we kind of prove everybody wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the journey and, and there were people who helped you along the way and helped your family, not only Arbor That's along right. the way, but what kind of generosity did people show for
4: you? Oh, definitely like with the, with the sports, right? Like it's, it's time, uh, money. You know, dedication of the other families taking the kids for tournaments where we were working and, and, um, uh, yeah, people really giving us break because they, they seen, you know, it's, it's, it's different when you grow up here and you have got your parents here that, you know, you can pick up the phone and say, Mom, I'm running, you know, out of milk. Can I jump over and whatever but uh, it's uh, it's different when you depend just on each other. And we had uh, just each other and four kids. And uh, so, as I said, like with the, with the time, we found people that, uh, you know, give us break, even financially, they always made some kind of
2: like deal. There's always good people.
4: Yes, always, yeah. always. You find good people everywhere, right? And as I said before, uh, uh, we always, uh, you know kind of found that we don't belong like i was uh, when uh, my youngest one was uh, four years old i start working in a uh, tim hortons night chips that's the only thing that i could do because jeb was the main braid maker right so and the sports got expensive and with four of them you know it was uh, it was difficult so i have started working in uh tim hortons to help out financially right so like having kids in the sports and everything, it's uh, you meet doctors, police officers and uh, and uh, teachers and, you know, so on. So I couldn't take every Friday off. I couldn't, you know, take them to Toronto. I couldn't take them to other cities for tournaments. So it was mostly Jack who did, uh, who did driving on the weekends. But on Friday, we always needed help, right? And th- with the kids, so.
2: Kelly Reed. I heard he was very helpful to us. Oh,
4: he, he was, uh, it's really golden guy, this, yeah, it's one of the, you know, people that you meet and they stick, right, so, and and he was always, I think, I think he liked us, uh, because, uh, as I said, like, we don't have no families, it was just uh, Jack and myself, and, uh, yeah, like, he led Arbor skates a few times, here too many times, <laughs> for free, and. and I mean, it's it's hard because it's people's business, and you just feel, you know, you don't want to take advantage. You don't want to take advantage, right? And they are like calling you, and they said, "No, bring him." Like I can, and he. It's funny because Kelly always seen something in Arbor. You know, other people is like, like, oh, whatever. But there's few people that, you know, seen something in him since he was little. Like he was really, really good hockey player when he was little. Like everybody was saying, wow, 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 right? But there is so many kids like that. But like, it, it's something. It's something that uh, caught his eye and, and he was very, very helpful, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what, I, I would like to think that uh, anybody in my position would uh, would do the same. Uh, when, when you find out somebody, uh, hockey is expensive, the training's expensive, ice costs are expensive, uh, equipment's expensive, it adds up. Uh, And when you see somebody like Arbor come out and work hard and his focus is a great kid He's at the front of the line trying to win every drill and battle you want you want to help somebody like that and uh, Jack Simona and 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 Florian the younger brother. They're fantastic families So least I could do was was help out any way I could and um, you know, obviously it's 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 terrific to see uh, see all his hard works paid off
4: I always saw you know, tell them, I tell my kids, all of them, that it takes just one person, one person to believe in you, right? Give you a chance. And what you do with that, it's up to you. Either you can take it and, you know, run, or you can just pass it on.
2: Right? So there a moment when you, cause you, like you said, you tell your son and your daughters always to believe, mm-hmm. but I'm a parent. We always tell our children to believe but the odds of it happening for an NHL player are so slim. Was there a moment where you actually began to think, holy smokes, this could happen?
4: I think the big, big moment was when he actually signed. When he signed with the Canadians, he got invited in a few camps. He got invited in, uh, in Montreal, in Toronto, and I believe in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was talking to me? It's funny because uh, during the COVID, like all the interviews and everything was done uh, over the FaceTime or right. Zooming, right? So there's always Arbor, like his room is in the basement and and he's telling us like, like guys, you need to be quiet because I'm on a Zoom with whoever, right? Rangers. And uh, so we <laughs> and my husband like have got the ears on the door, like listening and like like, what's going on right? Like we have the so half they finish, like we all jump like nothing is happening, right? So he comes upstairs and we are like, so like what did they say? Well, nothing. like like it's all good. like he's very cool. like he doesn't want to brag, nothing, like he's <laughs> like nothing. So we're like, oh my gosh, like I always tell Jack like they, he tells you a little bit more, like make sure you know you talk to him. So anyway, so when uh, all went down, so we kind of, I think it was with Matt Turk, right? Like uh, they talk and they kind of decide, okay, let's do the Montreal. I think it would be great fit for you, whatever. So when he was actually leaving, I'm like, you know, this is fantastic. Like he got invited, like people's going to look at him, right? Like uh, important people. So when he was all the time, you know, okay, I'm not caught. I'm not caught. I'm like, oh my God, like what's going on? So we went there for the last uh, preseason game, myself and my husband, we went there, we stayed in his hotel, so he went and I'm online, we came to, we seen the hockey game, we came to a hotel and we are online, like this one was sent to AHL, this one is cut for this, this one, and his name is not coming out. And I'm like, okay, I said to Jack, open a bottle of wine, like I'm, I'm getting like really anxious, like uh, what's going on, like we really had no idea, right? So we're waiting for an hour. I said, okay, let's go eat something because I'm going to bust out here. So we went to eat. We came back. There another hour passed. Nothing. So I'm texting him. Nothing. Looking online. Nothing. Okay. So we're sitting there waiting for him. And suddenly the door of the, of the hotel room like, open, And he's standing there. And he spread his wings. And he said, mom and dad, we did it. And I don't want to get emotional, but it, it was the moment that I seen him achieve his dreams and I'm like, this is it. It was something I thought to myself, I didn't, you know, tell anybody, but that moment, that moment, I thought anything is possible. So
2: that's it. <laughs> but I, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. I mean, I don't know what could top that, but watching, I'm curious know what it's like to watch the fans react for him because he gets big ovations and big cheers. Canadians fans, they love him. I can't imagine anything is better than what you just described, but to see the way the fans have embraced yourself.
4: It's funny. It's funny because uh, I was back in the Czech Republic visiting my family. When it was the opening night? Of course, the time difference. So my best friend, she said, "I'm working tomorrow, but come, we gonna watch." It's two o'clock in the morning. Whatever was it? So we came with my daughters, and um, watching that, I was crying, and it, it was like I cannot imagine. My husband was there with my son. Mm. I, I I cannot imagine. He's my husband's there too to Florian he said, can you pinch me? Like, can you pinch me? And when I talked to him after, he was like, uh, uh like I felt like I'm uh, it, it's something uh, unimaginable, right? So yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy and seeing all the, you know, kids wearing his jerseys and the other day I was in it's importance in a line and there is a kid with the Jekai t-shirt. So it's like, that's my kid, <laughs> you know, so.
2: Did you say that to the-
4: No, <laughs> of course not, but uh, yeah.
2: Do you like the nickname, Wi-Fi? No,
4: no, no, (laughs) I like Sherry better. I like Sherry better, but whatever, whatever does right.
2: I understand he bought you new appliances when he signed his contract. Yes. I understand he's told you he wants to retire you.
4: He did, yeah. um, yeah. It was for my birthday. He sent me a text message, and he said, Mom, the next step is I want you and Dad to get retired, yeah. So, that's huge. That's huge.
2: What did you think when you saw that message?
4: What do you think? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm a very emotional person, and I cry a lot. So, my kids warn me, please don't cry on the TV. (laughs) I'm like, I promise I won't. No, it's, uh, yeah, I get very emotional, especially, like, with my children. And um, I was telling your producer that... uh, When I was pregnant with Arbor, I almost lost my husband. And uh, in uh, that kind of crisis, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just you bond with your child. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to understand for the guys, but as a mom, like, I just feel with Arbor, I have got. Different kind of bond. Of course, you love your kids like it's your kids and I would you know give my life for all of them But with him it's just it's it's just different It's just a little different
2: If you're comfortable What happened with Jack when?
4: Uh, He was working in It's funny story too because I had broken my foot a few days prior that it happened to him Uh, I was uh, I think seven months pregnant seven or six months pregnant with arbor and uh kind of don't tell your pregnant wife no so if she needs something you need to do it right away so i asked my husband to put playpen on the backyard and he said i'll be right there of course it's not good enough so i grabbed the playpen, and i was <laughs> i was carrying on the backyard and i tripped i fell down so I broke my foot and of course, uh, you know, you cannot, as pregnant, you cannot have no, you know, X-rays and stuff like that. So I was kind of lying in a, on a couch with a little toddler and, well, she was not really toddler, she was uh, almost here. She was almost here, my first daughter, Sophia, and uh, he left for afternoon shift and uh, phone rang and they called me from uh, National Steel Car that there was a little accident over there and he's taken to hospital just precaution. What happened, I asked my neighbor to look after Sofia and her husband drove me to hospital and I show up there and he was kind of in an ER, lying, all shaking, like looking like he's dying. Suddenly all the machines went like bananas and they took him for the surgery, and uh, seven hours later, he came out. He said that what happened he was working in, um, in a car, uh, welding it, and uh, they had a jack that it was previously, I guess, welded on, and it broke, and 10,000 pounds hit him in his abdominal. Cool. So he was thrown uh, far away. And uh, because there was no blood or anything, they were taking him uh, for concussion. a cat or concussion. But what it turns out that his pancreas was torn. So he was two years without work after surgery. Uh, so it, it was, yeah, it was very, very tough
2: that time. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, end this by asking you one question. How was Arbor as a Costco employee?
4: He was excellent. He was good? (laughs) No, he was very good. And he, like, actually, people really liked him over there. uh, He was very helpful. I think he was a little bit too chatty for the management. But, uh, and uh, he he was late because he was coming from training. That's another story, but... uh, I think he was uh, he was very good, very good employee.
2: And I assume the whole store roots for him, right? Okay. Absolutely, right? absolutely. It's not just your son; it's their son.
4: Yeah, actually, today the secretary gave me the jersey. She was so excited that she got me because I'm going tomorrow, and uh, she's got his um, his uh, last name on the jersey. And uh, so she asked me if I could get it signed. And she said, when we have got the the jersey day, wear the jersey, right? So she said, I hope everybody who has got anything, like any jersey from him, they're going to wear it. It's going to be like J.K. Costco, right? <laughs> so it would be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was saying that she's so proud. Like, yeah, it's it's good. It's good.
2: That's great stuff. Thank you. That's great.
0: Ah, Elliot, yet another start to another week. Now, other than the 32 Thoughts podcast, there's eh, not much else really to look forward to.
2: Jeff, you are forgetting about Montana's daily deals. Their chicken wings are double-dusted in-house, cooked to a golden crispy finish, and... They're half-price on Mondays. Uh, half-price? Half-price every Monday and sauced however you like them.
0: Well then, head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar for half-price wings every Monday. The only other thing exciting about Mondays. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is...
2: All right, now we're going for real. Okay. She's gonna going to check all your answers, Jack, and make sure they're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Well. Three,
3: one, second sticks.
2: Everybody rolling? We are rolling. Okay. So, Jack, just for, before you got here today,
5: where were you working? I was working in National Steel Car. I built the rail cars. And how long have you been doing that? Almost thirty years. And you talked about how that's peaceful for you. Why do you enjoy it so much? Well, that's my thing though. I I like to work with my hands. Okay? That's what I got the job and uh, that's why I enjoy doing it.
2: Now is Arbor a handsy guy or no?
5: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so he didn't inherit your gift? Yeah, uh, Arbor's got a, my side but not, not handy guy. <laughs> He's got the other side. What's the other side? The other side is tough guy. <laughs> He likes he likes to use his hands for different reasons, like <laughs> fighting in ice and all that.
2: He's good. You were born overseas in the Balkans. Yep. How did you end up in Canada?
5: Well, uh, back home was kind of getting bad, bad situation and all that. And when my mom, my mom was alive. She was saying, "Leave, leave, leave the country." So I had to. I was. They was looking for me to send me to the army. I didn't want to go to army back home and I had to escape, so uh, I couldn't get any passport. My uncle works for uh, government, and then he, he somehow got me a passport, so I ran to Macedonia. From Macedonia, I ran to Sweden. From Sweden, I ran to England, and from England, I ended up in Canada.
2: Now, that was Albania that you left. Yeah. You mentioned you ran. What what
5: does that mean exactly? It was like, because when we, even if I had the passport, I had a passport. But if I go across the border when they check the passports and everything, still would not let me go through because as soon as they see my name is, they was looking for me to send me to army. I didn't go to army because in Yugoslavia was a breaking war between all those Slovenia, Bosnia, Croatia, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to, End up in army. I didn't want to go there. I wanna, I wanna leave the country. So when we went to the border between Macedonia and uh, and Kosovo, some people was uh, we stopped just before the checkpoint, and uh, some people was waiting in one small cafe, or restaurant. So they uh, we start talking to them, and they said we have to walk through village because you can't go through the borders if you go. You, they never let you, if they catch you, they never let you go. So we had to walk through the village and cross the border, and the car was waiting in the other side, so we jumped in a car and went to Macedonia. Please forgive
2: my ignorance. Was that a dangerous thing to do? It was,
5: it was kind of, but it was a risk. You had to take it. You have to take the risk. It was no other way. You couldn't get there the other way. If you go through, you will never leave the country. And how did you end up in
2: Canada then?
5: When I went to Sweden, I started talking to some people over there, and then one guy, I was telling him my story, so one guy gave me his passport, and then we switched the pictures, and then I bought a ticket, and then I flew to England, and I heard that Canada is the best country in the world, and then from England, I, I bought a ticket with a Swedish passport, and when I jumped in a plane, I went to the bathroom, ripped the passport, and then end up in canada
2: and so what's the process when you show up at the airport? well as soon as
5: i show up everybody went through check the passports i was sitting down and <laughs> because i didn't have any papers and then uh, uh, some uh, lady over there she was uh, waving her hand like come up forward so i go and she says passport and i, I didn't even speak the language i didn't speak a word of english right, or anything and i start talking i said few words and then she's like uh, I said Albanian, Albanian, that's what I knew, and then she grabbed me a translator, and then she said to him uh, through the phone, I have a translator, she said, where's his passport? I said, I don't have a passport, I'm a refugee, so what well, I claim as a refugee. So uh, then after that, we did all the paperwork, and and she said, you have to leave, and then uh, I didn't even have a jacket, and she's like, where are you going like that? It's minus 40, or you're going to die, so she grabbed some jacket, gave it to me, and I guess they called the uh, taxi, and they took me to Salvation Army because I didn't have nowhere to go. I, I didn't know I didn't know anything, and when I went to Salvation Army, it was an uh, open eye. It was like, wow, like,
2: unbelievable. So what happened then? How did you get started? You
5: so I, uh, I was walking in Toronto, streets up and down, and I was... So one day I was walking down the street and I hear some people talking my language. So I start talking to them and uh, I explained my my situation. So they took me in and gave me a shower, clean clothes, proper food. And then uh, they introduced me to some other guy and who, which is from Hamilton. And then he was saying, uh, he said, you have no job or anything? I said, no. And then he said, I I, I gotta get your job at this national steel car. So he got me a job there and that was it, and you're still there. And I'm still there. Never left. All my friends, uh, I had so many friends uh, working there, and they all left, but me, I never left. Do you
2: still keep in touch with those people who helped you? Oh,
5: of course, of course. I would. Uh, those, 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 are friends forever. Like it's my friends are my friends. Like uh, it just they part of my life. Like, I still keep in touch with them.
2: And that was 1994.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I still got a few of them. They moved to Hamilton, so. We go sometimes for coffee, just to talk about stuff, so, the old days.
2: <laughs> and what do they say about Arbor, now that they see Arbor Oh, it's Asia. just,
5: uh, they're so happy, like, so, it's just uh, unbelievable. There's not too many uh, people get involved with the, especially the Albanian community. They like soccer, and uh, for me, for, to put my kids in the hockey, they was, was well, half of them? They was uh, they thought I'm crazy because hockey is very expensive sport. But Simona's family was into the hockey, and that's how we started. So,
2: the one story that Arbor told I love about you was that everybody loved the Leafs. Yeah. So you didn't want to like the Leafs. When
5: we came in, uh, we started watching hockey. Everybody was saying Domi, Taydomi, Domi. So we watched the game, and all my friends are Leafs fan. And I said, no, I am not going to be one of them. So I chose Montreal, and that was my team. Like, and it's, uh, this thing of Arbor, when he was a little kid, like we always watch Montreal games, like at uh, the TV. And then Arbor started falling in love with Montreal, so it was it was a funny thing.
2: It must be unbelievable to you that you're sitting here now and your son is oh, playing for your it's favorite just team.
5: Something is, is know, it's surreal. <laughs> it's just something I can't explain. It's just the son of the refugee to make it to NHL is it's huge Mm -hmm. it's huge for me and because all our all our lives we were struggling because hockey is very expensive so we had uh, we decided to have four kids and hockey is very expensive sport but we managed somehow so
2: you also had good friends out there who helped take care of. Them.
5: Oh, of course. I had. We had a lot, a lot of friends. A lot of friends. Like some of them are like our family. Mm-hmm. So they 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 help us a lot, a lot. So we wouldn't do it with without them. Like it was, it was a struggle.
2: So two years after you come to Hamilton, you get your job. I understand. There's a day where you finish work, and a friend says, "Let's yes. go over to meet some friends at the."
5: Sheridan in downtown Hamilton. Yeah, what happened? So that was uh, me and my two buddies. uh, I know them for 30 years. We are very good friends. Uh, One his name is Ismet, and the other one is named Dino. So we, we, uh, they said, Dino said I'm meeting my uh, whatever friend. Mm -hmm. So uh, she said, Let's go. And then uh, I was working, so I came from work, shower, changed my clothes, and then. We drove here as we walking up the stairs. The <laughs> Simona was sitting with a couple of friends right there in the left side.
2: And you were wearing a red velvet I was jacket wearing jackets, yeah. and baggy jeans. <laughs> baggy jeans. So this is all true. And
5: and the cowboy boots. yeah. And your favorite your favorite cowboy and my boots. My favorite cowboy boots. Do you still have them? Uh, no. <laughs> my friend said uh, said uh, you should put them in a museum somewhere. <laughs> I never take them off, even in the summer. I don't know. <laughs> and you were waiting by the piano. Yeah. And then uh, she walks by, and uh, we shook our hands and. That was it.
2: Now, my my we always joke. Me and my friends, does the one you
5: love make you work for them? Yeah. Did, we, you, did, did you? She, she did that? She gave me a wrong phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, the, she, we start talking and stuff, and uh, we exchange the phone numbers, and then she gave me a wrong phone number. So next day we woke up, I phoned and I uh, said so that number is not in service. I said, oh. <laughs> and then my friend says don't worry i'll get the number so he called her friend and her friend will give me the number and we start talking and that was it
2: <laughs> what's the best thing about your relationship with simona oh
5: it's the best She's very smart intelligent she she works hard she's she puts uh, everybody before her mm-hmm. so she's always look for the kids she's a uh, Family woman. Mm-hmm.
2: She had a, a saying that Arbor talked about, which was, "If you believe it, you can be it." Yeah. Ar- Arbor also said about you oh. that you had a saying like, "Don't compare us to anyone else."
5: That's what I said. I said, "Arbor, don't don't compare us to anybody. We be doing our best." I said, "We came to this country with nothing. We had no money, nothing. We doing." I said, "Lots of people here. They have tons of money and all that and this and." Uh, Don't compare us to any other families because when you go to some of the families they have massive houses and a lot of money and we are not like we live in downtown we we bought a house right after about 20 years ago but I said it is what it is it's just we're doing our best.
2: And was there a time when you started to watch him play and you said wait a sec there's there's something here. This could go somewhere.
5: Oh, of course! Like I I always believed on uh, on him. Like uh, you could see who's got it and who, because I played soccer myself. So I, lots of people think, oh, hockey is a different sport. So I started uh, watching hockey. Started learning the game, and I I could see he had the pretension, And then I was telling him all the time, buddy, you got it. You just gotta go and do it. You gotta do it every game and. Uh, You know, everybody's got good games, bad games, and we went through that. And sometimes we went to the coaches and all that. And and on the way home, he was saying, oh, this, I want to quit. I said, we are not quitters. This year, we're going to finish the season. Next year, we go to a different team. We're going to have a different coach. We take it from there.
2: Does he play we, hockey at all? Like you
5: played soccer? Are you guys at all similar? Exactly. <laughs> like my, they go to my friend. Uh, my friend cuts the hair. When they go and uh, they when they went first time, my friend says, "Holy, you're dead man! <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of soccer player." I was rough though. <laughs> I like to play like that. It's like, I see them. They, Albert plays same kind of style as me.
2: I was telling Simona before that um, when we did the interviews with Martin Saint-Louis and Brendan Gallagher, the thing that they talked about with Arbor was not that he was tough or a fighter, but that he's very skilled. And Arbor really appreciated that. He said, for years, I was telling people, I'm not a goon, I'm not a goon, I'm a very skilled player. What does it mean to you knowing that that's how his teammates and his coach think about him?
5: Well it means it means unbelievable like it means because uh, he he said it himself in interview I'm not a, I'm not a goon I can I can play the game Mike He is a very skilled hockey player but he's very tough too. so he's got both both sides. He can play tough or he can play very skilled too. And I always believed on him no matter what I always tell him, buddy you got it man you just gotta push yourself through. you gotta do it.
2: So when he was deciding, he had some opportunities. I guess the Maple Leafs talked to him, the Canadians talked to him, other teams talked to him. Did you ever say, you know, Arbor, I, I love the Canadians. You should you should go there.
5: Well, uh, like we talk about it, but I said to him, I said uh, my thing, my opinion. I said you should go to Canadians, but I said you're the one who's gonna mm-hmm. make the decision. You're the one who's gonna play there. So him and his agent and Matt Turk and they all talk about it and I decided to go to Canadians which is was a beautiful thing for me so I just I love it and then he went to Canadians
2: so tell me about that
5: night when you're sitting in your hotel room in Montreal yeah, me me and Simona we went to the Montreal and then uh, she always checks in the phone she's uh, she does all the that yeah. <laughs> stuff sort of thing, and then she was uh, she checked in the phone and she says uh, she says oh my god he's he's still in the roster and then, <laughs> like we we are just like it's very stressful it's not easy like me and her we waiting over there waiting waiting and then next thing you know he's she said he's still in it, still in it what's going on now I says I don't know he doesn't phone nothing he, we don't know he just uh, walks in the door and open that door and said J K family we did it that was. Something will stay forever with me. That was unreal.
2: What did you do when he said
5: that? We, me, her, and we got up and started crying and hugging him, and it was we was so happy. <laughs> it was something. It's unbelievable.
2: It's oh, a beautiful story. Um, opening night. So Simona's in the Czech Republic. She's yeah. watching with your daughters. Yeah. And you're with your son in the crowd. So first of all, you get the honor of hearing your son's name. Oh. introduced
5: it was like wow when they called his name The the fans was unreal like I just like I I took a friend from uh, Oakville, he drove with us uh, he's a hub fan he said I'm gonna drive do you mind if I come along I said no man why not it's like let's go to go together so we went and it was like when they announced his name it was like I said to him I said man somebody pitched me or something because I don't know if this is surreal <laughs> it's just Something is huge, like for especially from our where we come from and all that, and from our where we work and because we struggle paycheck to paycheck to raise the family, and it's from the, to make it to NHL. It's a something, something big. It's just I can describe it. The words can't describe it. <laughs> You're proud. I'm very proud. Mm-hmm.
2: I understand that uh, Arbor bought new appliances when he signed his first contract. Yeah. I also understand he's told you in Simona that he will retire you.
5: Yeah, that's what uh, when Simona's uh, Simona was, Simona's birthday we was at, uh, we was away and then he uh, wrote out a message. He said, my thing is to retire you and dad. Like, uh, he knows where we come from. Mm-hmm. He knows. We always tell them this is where we come from. It's not nothing handed to us in how do you say in a silver plate. It's Mm -hmm. everything we had to work for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the kids was growing up, uh, playing hockey, and we have four kids, so it was when there was little Simona, was home with them, and I, I had to work and build the rail cars. And the weekend I had to work construction.
2: Another thing that she talked about that she's very proud of, and I, I was, I'm guessing it's the same for you is says so all four of your children. Look, we've seen Arbor and we see what a nice person he is. It sounds like all of your children are very you've raised four very nice children, respectful people. Are, they, are your children similar or are they different in any way?
5: Sophia, she's a firefighter. She's got exactly my kind of personality. <laughs> she's exactly like she's exactly like me. She's she's a tough girl. She's also very humble, down to earth. If you approach her in a nicer way, she would give her your her, her, her heart. If you approach her in a wrong way, then you got a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, Arbor Arbor is very. Very nice kid, very humble, down to earth. When he goes in ice, when he closes those doors, completely different person. It has, I always tell I was telling him, when you go out there, when you close those doors, there's no friends over there. And he knew that. And then you got Dominica, she's very smart, intelligent. She's very unbelievable girl. Mm-hmm. And then you got Florian. When Florian was uh, young, like Florian was a very skilled hockey player. and then. And he got invited to Kitchener, we said to him, I said, Flo, everybody knows you can shoot the puck, everybody knows you can play the game. They want to see the other side. He said, what is the other side? They want to see if you can drop the gloves. So he goes to Kitchener camp and drops the gloves, and right away they want to sign him. I said, this is it, man. They want to see if you can fight.
2: Yeah, someone said that she doesn't like it when Arbor fights. <laughs>
5: she doesn't, though. She always asks me, is he okay? He's okay. I love it, though. I just don't know. <laughs> she doesn't, I do it, though. I love it.
2: What's the best thing about this?
5: The best thing is to to see my kids succeed. That's my, that was always my my dream to my kids, to be, I tell them, always we'll tell them, this is the country, nothing is stopping you. This is, you just got to work hard. Whatever you want to become in this country, you will become. just got to work hard for it. This is a beautiful country. You just got to do it. The best thing is to see my kids succeed. That's something is unreal. Thank you so much.
2: We really appreciate your time. It's a beautiful story. We would like to thank Chantelle Mashaby and Charles sandon Courtois from the Montreal Canadiens communication team for helping us with this piece. The feature was directed by Jeremy McElhenney, edited by Mark Wade, produced by Amal Delich, with video management by Zach Hadges. And finally, thanks to Simona, Jack and Arbour for sharing their story. To watch the full piece, go to Sportsnet's YouTube channel and search Arbor Jack Eye or click the link in our show notes.
0: Listen to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe, view and they all had to stay somewhere and many used airbnb i want to share something with you i was once told one of the wisest things you can do when you host an airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners many did this with the eclipse you can do this as well your home could be an airbnb seriously it doesn't have to be your whole place i mean it could be you'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel it's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash